Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Because I'm fine. Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. I think this is season 30, which is crazy. We're in August, and we have a packed house on the show today. Um, Andrew DeSellis is showing us. Hello, Andrew. Hello, hello. How's it going, Brian? It's going great. Producer Brian Peterson is here. How are you, sir? Doing good. And special guests, Michael, Mike Adamson, who was a um, digital experience strategist at Merkle. Hey, Mike, how are you? Hey, doing well. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you on. What did you think of the intro music, by the way? Yeah, that was uh, pretty rocking. Uh, did you guys <laughs> specially record that for the podcast? We have to talk about the music every episode. It's just a thing. Some no, it's it's an old song from the seventies from the Ramones that okay. a listener sent to us, and you know it's called EMI, and we're like, oh, that's cool. And the funny thing is, we talked about this last episode too, but. We went through this whole contest at the beginning of the year to kind of get involvement from everybody in the company. And we, Brian and uh, the marketing team kind of went, led us through like, I don't know, 20 songs and everybody voted. And we had this whole systematic approach to the intro music and we picked a song and it was very inclusive and stuff. And then like two weeks later, a client said, hey, well, what about this song? We just switched it immediately. Yeah. No yep. feedback, didn't ask anybody. We just switched it. Yeah, there are times when democracy isn't the right approach. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you joined. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was just uh, rocking a Ramones record uh, in my basement this weekend. So um, Awesome. Yeah. I rarely get to hear the whole song, so it's, I love hearing the intro, though. <laughs> I guess we'll just get right into it, um, Mike. You, um, you're at Merkle, and I'd love to hear kind of your background. You've been in research for a little while. Yeah, I've been a little all over the place in my background. I actually started out as a copywriter at a really small agency in Chicago. Um, but because it was so small, I also quickly added brand strategy to my uh, my repertoire. Yeah. And, um, but I, I came into Merkle as a copywriter ooh, eight years ago, I want to say, and then moved into more of uh, an audience strategy and ultimately experience strategy role. So it's been pretty fun. But I did have a little stint where I wasn't at Merkle and I was actually doing pure market research, much like you guys. So um, I can speak the language. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I love when people j- join a company and then kind of come back to it a couple of years later. I think that speaks volumes of the quality of the company. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, I, I missed the work I was doing here, which isn't something you can often say. So it, it's nice to be back. Yeah. And Denver's kind of a hotbed of research. You're in Denver, right? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And we noticed, I think we talked about this on the news, that um, Merkel announced a partnership with Action IQ, and you're adding cookie-less audience targeting tool. It's called Mercury, which I love the website, by the way. It's mercury with a K, dot merkelink.com. Um, are you aware of that? I guess you're aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> Bad question. Yeah, no, uh, Mercury is a, a really 
exciting tool. Um, you know, it's with the whole Apple move, especially, especially blocking cookies, um, it's going to become way more important to have a good first party identity graph, I think, for companies. Uh, and so we've seen it grow a lot over the last few years. Um, and it's a really good time for it to kind of be peaking because uh, a lot of what I do as an experienced strategist is um, to try to enable one-to-one -one personalization or as close as you can get to that. Like we've been talking about one-to-one -one personalization for years and it's still a lot of batch and audience-based personalization. And uh, with something like Mercury, you can you know combine your first-party CRM and some third-party data and build these really niche targeted audiences or even down to a single person with, I think they call it a person ID is, is what they're... Um, what identity currency is called. And we think it's really going to help clients, you know, move more to that customer centric approach that we all really want to have. No, that's, that's cool. I always defer to Brian Peterson when we talk about all this cookie-less identity stuff, because it gets really complicated for me really quick. Like what's going on with Google and Apple, as you mentioned. So what I'd love to see is that um, companies like Merkel are actually doing something to, to, ensure that you're still collecting the data that we need to, for insights mm -hmm. and in this new kind of world that we're doing. So I don't, yeah. Well, so the, um, the idea is that once you know sort of who someone is, the customer experience or the user experience would adapt to what you know about that person. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, and, and that's part of it, you know, that when you're on a website, oh, we know that you care about um, barbecue and we're Target. So look at this. We're listing all of these, uh, you know, smokers and fancy grill accoutrements uh, right there on the website for you because you're probably going to buy it. Um, but then it also can connect into a lot of cross-channel targeting uh, to where, you know, the email campaigns I'm getting are really tied into what I care about. And when I click on a specific email campaign, that conversation with the brand continues as I land on their website and you know see what I was already reading about. Um, and there's just so many different ways you can use that. So just to be, by the way, that that's fascinating, and I agree with Brian that there's tremendous value there. But just to be clear, the name <laughs> of your company is Merkel. <laughs> the product Mercury allows your website and user experience to adapt very quickly and be very customizable in tons of iterations. So it is mercurial. Is <laughs> that the best name for a product I've ever heard? <laughs> I, I don't think anybody's thought of that. I, uh, I like that a lot. <laughs> Andrew, thank you for adding that insight because we have a running joke on this podcast where I make fun of basically client names every episode now, and I probably get in trouble. Um, and I really appreciate that you added a positive, um, at least, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. So I don't think I even asked you, Mike, you, you were a copywriter and now you're a digital experience strategist. What is, what does a digital experience strategist mean other than it's a really cool job title? Yeah. Uh, it, it means whatever the client at the moment <laughs> needs it to mean. Uh, yeah. no, but ultimately, uh, at digital, on the digital experience team at Merkle, um, we're Doing, we're trying to think about how to look at uh, customers in a holistic way with, you know, how we empower that relationship using digital. So a lot of that is website, right? We're a lot of what we're doing is um, building websites for clients and trying to be smart about understanding who their customers are, what they need out of a website, and putting it there. A lot of it's digital advertising and 
thinking about how that connects in or email, how that connects into their um, shopping experience. And then, you know, there's also thought about now, how do we work the brick and mortar into this? A lot of, you know, with this whole last year uh, in the pandemic, a lot of people are going, okay, do we only need to worry about digital now? Is is in-person shopping dead? And, and it's no, we need to figure out how to tie that in shop, in-person shopping experience um, into the digital experience so we're treating them like a whole person, not just a person who's sometimes online and a different person in the store. But but really, it's, it's thinking about the customer at the end is most of the work I do is thinking about what can we learn about customers and how can we react to that knowledge to give them a better experience. That's such a great segue into a discussion that we I thought we'd have around the customer journey and Maybe most people don't even know what a customer journey is. We can talk about that. But I think that it's even more challenging with what's happened with digital and brick and mortar. And so I think your role is very suited to that. Maybe you can start off with like, how would you describe what a customer journey is and how it applies to kind of what we do? Totally. Um, So a customer journey map, well, a customer journey maps out an audience's behaviors and mindsets through a specific set of moments is would be my high level definition. Um, which is broad because there's a lot of different types of journeys that we'll do. Um, you know, commonly we'll look at a, a buying journey because that's what most companies are concerned about is is increasing purchases. And you want to understand how somebody moves through that process from being aware of the brand to you know working in uh, the brand into their consideration set, starting to look at some of those trade-offs, um, making that purchase. And then it's not over, right? Because uh, loyalty is really going to be important. So how can you continue to nurture a person after they've made that purchase? We'll also look at journeys. Sometimes it's with a really specific request. You know, hey, we've got um, a lot of fall off after registration on our website and we need to figure out what's going wrong. So we'll, we'll look at what that full journey looks like from a UX perspective and try to identify where there's some maybe friction points that need to be um, solved for. Um, we'll also do like cross channel marketing journeys where it's a little, it it still has that view of the customer of, you know, what are they doing? What do they care about? What do their needs look like? Um, but then we can layer in what should our strategy look like? How do we blend email and digital and web, um, opportunities in these different moments of this journey to make it a more powerful moment and ultimately move that customer further to where, uh, I'd say to where we want them to be. We like to say to where the customer wants to be because we're customer centric. But at the end of the day, you know, it's how can we, yeah. <laughs> how can we sell them more? Yeah, but it's so fascinating to me. Like at EMI, you know, a lot of times we think on a study by study basis that here are the objectives of this one study. Here's the sample we did on this one study. Whereas a customer journey is much more longitudinal and probably includes a lot of like social science in it, right? Where mm-hmm. you're trying to understand need states and um, all of this complex decision-making. And it varies, I bet, a lot by category. I can't even imagine it's, it's really complex, but it's been the holy grail, I think, for where marketers and insights can kind of intersect. Um, at least that's my take on it. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I think that is fair. You'll see it is and it isn't like you'll see some pretty um, broad differences, obviously, between somebody buying orange juice versus somebody deciding what financial planning company they should use. Um, but what's also interesting is that 
we're all human at the end of the day. And a lot of the need states can still measure, or I'll say ladder up to, um, to commonalities where, you know, maybe there's the idea of safety in your financial planning, but maybe there's also that idea of, uh, I need to be a little healthier and get some vitamins in here. And, you know, we're all dumb animals at the end of the day who are just trying to protect ourselves or enjoy this world. No, that's really cool. Um, and so what the side that we don't see that you're probably, as you deal directly with clients on this topic, so you're working on trying to understand the customer journey and mapping it out. What, what, does, what do clients do with, subsequently do with it? Do they make decisions on How do they make decisions on that maybe? Yeah, absolutely. We hope they're making decisions on it. Um, there, yeah, there's a, a, it depends on the type of journey. So sometimes it can be to you know, build that cross-channel marketing strategy and understand how your different digital assets should play together for, uh, to enhance certain moments. Um, sometimes there's a lot of uh, content or communication strategies that we'll see out of it. Because if you're looking at a customer's need states throughout um, that progression of them engaging with your brand, you'll sometimes uncover some pretty cool stuff about, oh man, they really, this is a need we didn't understand that we were fulfilling early on in the journey. Let's build a marketing campaign that specifically addresses this need so that we can kind of get them over whatever that fear hump is into the next stage. Oh, awesome. Um, And so I have a feeling quantitative and qualitative both have a kind of a big role in this. This is as I can kind of think this through, you're kind of the expert, but I have a feeling this is like a very longitudinal if possible, but iterative when you're leveraging research. Mm-hmm. How, how does kind of quantitative research help play a part into this? Yeah, you're spot on that, you know, ideally you want qualitative and quantitative uh, in both of these. I've, I've done journeys that have only qual or only quant. And there's always gaps in that, right? Because you want to start with qual to really understand the full landscape of all the different areas that you might need to probe. Um, almost get it's, You're almost building a list of, okay, here are all the behaviors that different people take. Here are all the needs that they have. Here are all the pain points we heard about. Um, but you don't know how universal those are because usually with qual, we'll get uh, maybe 10 interviews per audience and say, okay, we see all these themes arising. We've got a pretty good list here. Um, but you know, I, I might've, five of those 10 people might've just been Uh, especially cranky or stupid or something where you're like, if we extrapolate this to the universal audience population, we might miss because we're emphasizing the wrong thing here. So quant really allows us to, um, to validate and size some of those behaviors or needs uh, so that we can say, okay, not only do we understand the full landscape, but we know how many people care about this and we can start to understand what maybe a, a general message should look like and where we should tailor that message specifically to different types of audiences. Now that's, this is really cool stuff. And now, now I can see how this new mercury is, will play a part in this, right? Because you need to have a really in-depth understanding of people and having all this data uh, because you can't ask people 3000 questions and try to understand mm-hmm. um, so leveraging third-party data um, and their behaviorals and other digital forms has got to be such a key. So it's, it really makes sense. It's really cool to kind of talk about this because I'm, this is such a different, for me as a researcher, this is such bigger and more marketing-centric than I'm used to talking about. So it's kind of fascinating to me. I don't know if Brian or Andrew have any questions. 
I mean, yeah, no, no, no questions for me. Um, okay. it, I mean, it is, it's absolutely fascinating, right? And it's the culmination of where we should be going. And as we have, you know, more technology and more data, using these insights to then personalize that experience is, you know, it, it's the next logical progression of everything that we're doing online, right? So it, it it's fascinating and it, it's um kind of what I would expect from us, right? If we're, if we're being good, good researchers and if brands are being good brands and providing personalized experiences to their customers and their prospective customers, um, it's fantastic. It's only better for the consumer to have something that is um, tailored to them. Yeah, it, it, you're right. And I think that, um, you know, we all get so hyped on uh, big data these days, which I, I've, I don't hear people say big data as much as we used to like five years ago. You know, now yeah. it's so it's so big that we're getting specific into first party data, third party data, different things. Um, but it, like, it's such a fun playground with that data, but it's also generally observed data. And that's important. But um, I think without research where you're actually asking people to reflect and uh, make a statement about what they care about directly, you lose a lot of that humanity behind it. Um, so I know a lot of people want to go, yeah, let's just, we'll use the data and we'll map it out. We'll, we'll go into analytics and see how somebody goes through this and then we'll understand it all. Um, and, you know, that only shows you how they're reacting to what's currently there. Uh, I think you really need to open the space up to hear from people. If you're going to talk about a customer centric approach, you have to be able to hear from people what they actually want directly. This is this is probably a stupid question because of you know the Merkle brand name has a pretty strong equity and like already in data and technology analytics and helping advertising make better decisions and those types of things. But this approach sounds very unique to me. Is is that true? Not necessarily in that it's <laughs> just uh, like there's a ton of companies that uh, will do customer journeys and, and do them really well. And I think most of those are based on research. I hope there's probably some a lot of companies out there who are doing them uh, not based on research as well. Um, but we do, especially this last project where we did a customer journey years, using your guys' research, um, we had a really unique piece about it that I thought was cool. Um, you know, I was going back to where I was talking about how we kind of all have these uh, constant motivations that you see across humankind. Um, we have an approach called neuroanalytics that is another qual and quant research combination uh, where it's based on a psychology framework called means end theory. And we do these laddering interviews to ask people, um, you know, what they were looking for in a product for the attribute and then what the... Um, functional benefit they got from that attribute was and then what the personal benefit they got from that functional benefit was and ultimately what their motivation you know what they want out of life what was driving this decision in the end and all of a sudden you get stuff with you know an orange juice purchase that you're like yeah i really wanted to be a good parent and uh i want to live life to the fullest and that's why i bought this orange juice and it's like well, how did we get here this is wild but we then use the quant to take that a full kind of mind map of that customer decision process and start to 
use it to find correlations and like uh, motivations together so we can start to group these ideas and you actually end up with different motivational personas say okay here's what somebody who is a little hesitant and wants security looks like in all these different ways throughout this buying decision and here's somebody who's that adventurous energetic person who wants to get the most out of life and you know what benefits and attributes of a product they're looking for so layering that on and then doing a journey after that to see how these different mindsets differ in the way that they take a journey through something was, I think, a pretty unique approach um, that we, we were really excited about. I just want to add to that. I think I love hearing you talk about this because you talk, you use both quantitative terms and use a lot of qualitative terms. And that's necessary for you to be good at your job as, you know, I, mean, I you know, kind of jumped around the experienced brand strategist and you jumped around that, that is whatever it needs to be for the client. But that's true because you got to be a quantitative researcher one day, a qualitative researcher the next day, understand data analytics, and then at a kind of a psychological needs-based understanding, I would think this is a great way to become a, just a, such a well-rounded researcher. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fantastic because I think that's how our industry is moving, that you can't kind of um, – focus on one skill set to be a good researcher anymore. You kind of have to have that broad base. So I'm really impressed. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm uh, mediocre across the board. <laughs> well, that's what I said my whole career was I was <laughs> mediocre at everything. But I knew a little bit about every topic in research. But that, and that's how I got where I am today. Yep. <laughs> well, if people want to learn more about kind of customer journeys and Mercury – um, I'm assuming they can reach out to you on LinkedIn or go to um, the website. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It'll be it'll be a uh, a tangled web if they're <laughs> going through the Merc- or the Merkle website. For Mercury, yeah. definitely go to the website. There are smarter people that can get you exactly <laughs> what you need there. But I'd be happy to talk to anybody about customer journeys. Awesome. Well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're bringing back an old segment. We haven't done this in a while, have we, Brian? This uh, four Ps. Yeah, I thought I thought it'd make a resurgence here. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. We so we took the marketing mix and we kind of switched it up to try to get to know people a little bit better. And you're you're clearly a pretty interesting guy. And so we took the four Ps. We kind of took a little spin on them and uh, kind of go through this. If you don't want to answer them, that's fine. The first P is perform. Um, is there okay. something that people don't know about you? Do you have a hidden talent? Anything goes here. Okay. Um, I, I think I have so few talents that when uh, when I have one, I don't tend to hide it. Um, <laughs> but I, I do play a little bit of blues harmonica that I was self-taught and just playing along the Muddy Waters records. Um, but I, and I hadn't played for a while. And recently I was, um, my, my girlfriend and my best friend are both musicians and we were jamming out and I pulled out a harmonica and started playing. And they both looked at me and they were like, wait, you're really good at that. Where did that come from? And, you know, I I thought it was probably the four beers is where it came from. But apparently I have halfway decent harmonica skills. That's awesome. That's a great one. I have to tell you, um, I the other night got stuck for an hour. 
I don't know how I, I thought of this, but uh, on Blues Traveler, the Hook song. Okay. Someone broke it down, and basically the entire song is just like it's about a hook. I can as long as I have a hook in the song, you listen to it, and that's what the entire lyrics are about. It's like a genius song, but it's the harmonica and um, I don't know. Just found it interesting. I spent an hour watching some documentary, not even documentaries, a YouTube video of somebody breaking down those lyrics. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that guy but, can yeah. absolutely wail on a harmonica. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Next P podcast. You listen to podcasts? Do you have any favorite ones? Um, I I do occasionally. I'm I'm like too ADD to sit through a podcast, <laughs> so so I have to be like if I'm driving, it works. But if there's anything where my eyes can focus on something, like ten minutes later, I'm like, oh, I I haven't been listening to this at all. So, but I do have a few favorites. Um, my first would be so I'm a big like history and music nerd. Two of my favorite things. So. The first would be Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, um, which is just like, it's like taking a university course in a subject. It's so in-depth. And I, th- I think I listened to all, it was something like 24 hours of his World War One podcast. <laughs> and uh, it, it was such a great shift in my perspective because, you know, no matter how rough my day was, I'm like, well, at least I'm not sitting in a trench with cholera right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Another that I really like, there's one called uh, Cocaine and Rhinestones. It's a in-depth country music history episodes where they'll, they'll take one artist or even one song or a moment in an artist's life and really dig into it and break down uh, how it changed the country music landscape. That one's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Is, is there an episode? I'm from Kentucky, and Andrew lives in Kentucky, and... Um, a couple Kentucky country artists just recently died. One of them is Tom T. Hall. I'm a huge fan. I'm going to have to check that out to see if they've done or will do a Tom T. Hall episode because he's such an amazing songwriter. I would love to listen to that. Man, I did not think I was going to hear Tom T. Hall's name on this podcast today. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, they do have one on the Harper Valley PTA. Song. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for – I wrote that down. All right. Um, you, you have another podcast we're going to listen to uh, mentioned as well? Um. I think the third yeah. would be uh, Disgraceland. It's another music and history coming together where they'll go into like the untold stories of uh, rock and roll or even larger music history. And the guy's a good storyteller. Um, so I like that one a lot. I, I love that stuff. That's, a, that's really cool. That's three kind of unique podcasts. That's, that's cool. Um, next P, Pandemic. Um, what are what are some funny things habits that you started since the pandemic started? This question came out because I got addicted to marble racing um, on YouTube when there were no sports last summer, <laughs> and so we started asking everybody. And there's really cool stories about what people did during the pandemic and new habits they picked up. And some of them are positive, some of them are just kind of goofing off, and you know, providing for some um, a little break. What about you? I think I actually had to actively start mandating how many showers I took a week because that started <laughs> getting out of control really quick. <laughs> there wasn't much. I I spent a lot more time like reading books in the hammock, you know, and it was nice to have this hit when I was in my mid thirties instead of my mid twenties. I would have been going nuts in my mid twenties, and I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can stay at home. This is comfortable. Um, but I didn't have any. I, I wasted all that time and didn't build any new skills or, or create any new hobbies. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like you wasted as much as I did because <laughs> I, I, I literally watched a, gel, a, um, 
a marble race on Sunday. I'm still in it. It's been a year, over a year, and I'm still watching marble racing. Now, like, do you have a favorite marble racing guy that you're like, okay, if he's in, I'm placing bets here. I I believe yeah. this guy. I this so it's called Yelly's Marble Racing. It's a guy in Netherlands, and he does it with his autistic brother, and it's really well done. You should honestly, people should check it out. It's really cool. And there's there's teams and. The, the teams, he just kind of basically calls them by the color of the marble. And I root for the O-Rangers. They're okay. orange, and they're called the O-Rangers. That's, Great that's name. That's what I root for, yeah. So it's, seriously, people should check it out just because it's so well done. It's unbelievable. They build these tracks, and it's like a NASCAR event. They have time trials. It's honestly really cool. It's not even a joke. <laughs> I'll check it out. <laughs> and then the last one, oh, did Andrew add this one? It's a poll. Tell us your – Best fishing story. Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I've had some good days fishing. I know Andrew and I have talked about it before. Um, I, I recently, I think it was a week ago, I floated the Arkansas River. I had a friend who's a rafting guide, and she took us out in her raft. And uh, so I was going over rapids with a fly rod, trying to like make these casts while I was bouncing around. Um, that was a blast. Uh, I also recently got to go uh, tarpon fishing down in South Florida and pulled in a 68 inch tarpon that was um, out of control. It was an incredible, like a once in a lifetime fish. Well, a 68 inch tarpon, you mount that? What do you do with a 68 inch tarpon? No, you let it go live its life. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, it's, you can't even pull them out of the water uh, <laughs> with regulations. I mean, or with my uh, physical strength, I suppose, but <laughs> Yeah, how much um, does a sixty-eight inch tarpon weigh, Mike? Uh, they said one one hundred and fifty pounds was oh my God. where that should come in. So, wow. Um, yeah, it was it was neat. You know, I was basically trying to pull my mom in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm really jealous. Is there good fishing out in Colorado? I bet. I bet there's amazing fishing. Yeah, I mean, the fly fishing out here is is phenomenal. Um, yeah. and I'll try to get out, you know, up to the mountains and I, I prefer some of the Alpine lakes. Um, I'm never good at river fishing. Like it's just so tough for me to understand where to hit those spots. And then you got to walk up the river and, you know, I'll ruin whatever pools are there with my first cast and then the fish are not going to bite. Um, but I, I love the high mountain lakes where, uh, you can just watch these things come up to a, you know, a dry fly and take it. And it's a really cool feeling. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Um, I've never been to Denver. I'm gonna come out there sometime. Um, yeah, man. been all over, but I've never actually been to Denver. That's crazy. Would love to show you around. Yeah. Well, listen, Mike. It's been great talking to you. The customer journey discussion. We barely scratched the surface on it. Yeah. And so I would encourage people if you have more questions about it, reach out to Mike. Reach out to Merkel. Cool dude. I really appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Yeah, totally. It's been a pleasure. You guys have a great day, and uh, I'll uh, I'm gonna go watch some marble racing. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to some cocaine and rhinestones. I know that's <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Insights Marketing Day is back. This one-day face-to-face event will be packed full of industry-leading speakers providing essential tips and tools to improve your company's marketing. 
from social media to blogging, web to growth hacking strategies, branding, and lead generation. We'll cover a range of topics that need to be addressed for a successful, comprehensive, and interconnected marketing plan. We'll talk big picture with strategy and annual content calendars down to the granular level of getting more visible on LinkedIn. So you leave informed and inspired. If you're ready to get a jump start on making 2022 your best year ever, don't miss Insights Marketing Day. Visit insights-marketing.org. Use the code PERCH, P-E-R-C-H, for 20% off your ticket price. See you there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.